Well, this month's topic is on health, and I was assigned to talk to you about spiritual health. So, we have it here. We'll try to get it on the screen for you. <clears throat> the question that I would put right along with the topic of spiritual health is how healthy are you? Now, the fact that we are Seventh-day Adventists means that we make a certain profession. Uh, we say that we are the true people of God. And so people have the right then to expect a very high level of spiritual living because if we are the true people of God, that's what they have a right to expect. The question is whether that is actually true. Now, you know, God understands those that are struggling with things that hinder them from having a deep walk with God. <clears throat> And uh, in his eyes, progress is the most important. He is not looking at where we are, but where we're headed, where we came from, and so on. So, you know, I don't want to discourage anyone that sees themselves as having a low level of spiritual life. And you look at some others and you feel that they have a, a wonderful spiritual life and you wish that you could be like them. I've even had people from the community tell me, uh, boy, I sure wish I could be like you folks over there at Wildwood, but it's not possible, <laughs> you know. So they, they already discount the possibility that they could be a highly spiritual person. But unfortunately, some of us are faking it too, and we're making believe we're a spiritual person, but not really underneath. So it is certainly a very uh, valuable topic. Now here is the goal for all the talks this month. Beloved, this is Third John, verse 2. Beloved, I wish above all things that thou mayest prosper and be in health, even as thy soul prospereth. Now, the way that's worded, you can see that there is a connection between physical health and spiritual health. And that's the reason Wildwood has a strong emphasis on healthful living. We don't practice it quite as well as we teach it, but we do teach it. And we need to be a better example of it. Why? Because it's very difficult to have a deep spiritual relationship when we have poor health. 
And so the two go together. Also, you can see clearly that John's wish was that we would be highly spiritual and we would also be physically healthy, even as your soul prospers. Now, there is a distinction, I believe, between being religious and being spiritual. And from time to time, I hear people comment about that difference because it's a fairly obvious difference. You can be very religious and go to all the meetings and talk spiritual talk and all the rest and still not be spiritual because being religious often has to do with habits. And if you've been, you know, going to church and all those kind of things for a while, you you can easily uh, be religious. And when you're asked to pray, you sound like you have a wonderful prayer and so on. But that's not spiritual. What we're talking about tonight is not spiritual. This is something that has to do with our own personal relationship with God. It's not a new problem because in Revelation 2, verse 4, John is writing to the church at Ephesus. He says, Nevertheless, I have somewhat against thee. He says, You're a good church in a lot of ways, but I have something against you. Well, it's really Jesus saying it. Because thou hast left thy first love. So they started out highly spiritual. They had what the Bible calls the first love. Now, I've had the privilege of studying with a lot of people throughout my life. I haven't had much time to hunt for them, but the Lord sends them one after the other seems like, and so I've had a wonderful privilege to do that, and I see we have uh, Scott here with us tonight. He was one of the ones I really enjoyed studying with. Well, when people are in the first love, they just can't get enough Bible study. They will meet with you as many times of the week. Yeah, James is here too tonight. He's another one I had the privilege of studying with. They'll study as much as you have time. And often, you know, I don't have enough time to study as often as they would study. And they just love time in the Word of God. And, of course, prayer is more private. But uh, I assume that because they enjoy Bible studies so much, they also are busy praying. And yet, if we're not careful, that can slide out the back door. And if so, then we're not going to have the first love. We're not going to have the spiritual experience that we should have. And occasionally someone asks me, is it possible to get anything better than the first love? Well, my answer is yes. 
I mean, when you fall in love with somebody to the point where you want to marry them, it's true, for most marriages, they never get any more than that. They usually get less. <clears throat> but if you have the kind of marriage like I have, it gets better than the first love. And so I assume since marriage is an example of the relationship that Jesus wants to have with his people, that it can exceed the first love. But if we don't even have the first love, we have some recovery to do because that's the beginning benefit that Jesus gives to his children. <clears throat> Again, we see that it's a struggle because Paul in 1 Corinthians 3, 1 through 4 says, And I, brethren, could not speak unto you as unto spiritual. <clears throat> it's kind of like what Jesus said when he said, I have many things I'd like to tell you, but I can't tell you right now. Why? Because you're not spiritual enough. And if I told you, I, I would actually offend you maybe by telling you these things. And I, brethren, could not speak unto you as unto spiritual, but as unto carnal, even as unto babes in Christ. So he said, you know, I'm not saying you're not converted. I'm not saying you don't belong to Jesus, but you're staying like a little baby. You're not becoming an adolescent or an adult. You're staying like a baby. I have fed you with milk and not with meat or solid food. We might be more appropriate there. For hitherto ye were not able to bear it, neither yet now are ye able. For ye are yet carnal. In other words, there's too much selfishness left there, too much rebellion left there. <clears throat> and he said, there's been a beginning, all right. You're like a little baby, but you're still carnal. For whereas there is among you, and here's the evidence of why the, the carnal is still there, envying and strife and divisions. Now, we could add a whole lot more things to that list, but he's especially talking to them about their alienation from each other because they were interested in, in who was best and who was following the best leader. Then he says, because you have those things, are ye not carnal and walk as men? For while one saith, I am of Paul, and another, I am of Apollos. Are ye not carnal? So I have seen evidence of that in my lifetime, of how you have to walk softly, you don't dare deal with certain things. You just, you know, 
wait and hope that sometime you can deal with that because a person just can't handle it. But God wants us in this hour of earth's history to advance. We don't have a whole lot of time to advance. We need to get to where we can handle whatever is needed. Also in 1 Corinthians 3, verses 11 to 14, it says, The things of God knoweth no man, but the Spirit of God. Now we have received not the Spirit of the world, but the Spirit which is of God, that we might know the things that are freely given to us of God. So he said, once we are converted, now we have access to the Holy Spirit, and the Holy Spirit is able to instruct us in all the things that we need, which things also we speak, not in the words which man's wisdom teacheth, but which the Holy Ghost teacheth, comparing spiritual things with spiritual in other words, he's saying uh, the average person is wrapped up with the things of this world, but we're busy teaching the things of God. And that's what the Holy Spirit is interested in, teaching the things that are from God. But, he said, the natural man receiveth not the things of the Spirit of God. Now, how do you know that you have that problem. If somebody teaches something or you read something and you don't like it and you want to argue against it and you think it's not so and you wish you hadn't been told, then that's the very problem that Paul was concerned about and he says, the natural man receiveth not the things of the Spirit of God. If we find resistance in us to the things of God, there's a problem there. And the problem is the natural man. For they are foolishness unto him. So some people look at what God said and say, that's stupid. You know, that's ridiculous. We don't need to consider that. Neither can he know them because they are spiritually discerned. So our spiritual experience determines what we do with the word of God. And if we find ourselves arguing against the word of God, we know that we're probably a baby instead of a, even an adolescent or an adult. And in this hour verse history, we need to grow and we need to become uh, more advanced in our spiritual life. Paul wasn't trying to discourage them. He was just trying to help them see that they needed something that they didn't have. Now that goes right along with this in Romans 7 verse 14. There's a little phrase, I'm sure you know it by heart, but just think of the meaning for we know that the law is spiritual. Now, any time the Bible tells us to do something or 
the writings of Ellen White tell us to do something, that's the law. And the law, the Bible says clearly, is spiritual. What does that mean? It means the more you follow what God said, not from a legalistic, you know, trying to earn salvation uh, orientation, not, not that. That doesn't make us spiritual. But when we follow it because we recognize that he has done so much for us to come into this world and die on the cross of Calvary and all the rest of the things that he's doing for us, that it's a pleasure to keep what he told us to do. And the more things that we keep from that perspective, the more we follow, the more spiritual person we become. That's the meaning of the verse. For we know that the law is spiritual. And again, we see what happened to the church of Ephesus in Revelation 2.4. Thou hast left thy first love. Somewhere along the way, they didn't find the same joy that they did in the beginning to learn what God wanted them to do and to practice it and to follow it. And so they had lost their first love. Why? The law is spiritual. Now let's look a little bit at the role of the Holy Spirit to help us become the most spiritual people on earth. That's what God wants to do for every Seventh-day Adventist. This is from Acts of the Apostles 284. There are today many as ignorant of the Holy Spirit's work upon the heart as were those believers in Ephesus. Yet no truth is more clearly taught in the Word of God. So the big problem that we have is that we don't realize what the Holy Spirit can do for us. And so we don't tap in to the ministry of the Holy Spirit adequately, and sometimes we wish we could have it, and God is saying, you can have it. You can have anything you see somebody else have. There, there's no favoritism with God. And the Holy Spirit produced it in them, and the Holy Spirit can produce it in you. Prophets and apostles have dwelt upon this theme. Christ himself calls our attention to the growth of the vegetable world as an illustration of the agency of his spirit in sustaining spiritual life. That's why agriculture is important. We learn about how God supports the plants and, and that's the way he supports us. The sap of the vine ascending from the root is diffused to the branches, sustaining growth and producing blossoms and fruit. We got all our potatoes dug. Uh, this wasn't as good a year as last year. But, you know, when I came to the very last row, I planted five rows with 50 pounds of potatoes. 
When I got to the last row, my wife tells, uh, tells me we got 100 pounds from the last row. Now, the other ones, I don't know why they didn't do so good. But they did yield pretty big potatoes. And now we're harvesting tomatoes. And we had a bumper crop of, of cantaloupe. Uh, so many we had to figure out what to do with them. And so, you know, the Lord brings that harvest through, as it calls it here, the sap that flows into the plant and all the other blessings. Well, he wants to do the same for us. So the life-giving power of the Holy Spirit proceeding from the Savior pervades the soul, renews Here's some things we need because, you know, we have a lot of things to get rid of. And don't think because I've been around a long time, I still don't have some things to get rid of. It's a long journey. But it says, it will renew the motives and affections and brings even the thoughts into obedience to the will of God enabling the receiver to bear the precious fruit of holy deeds. So it, God has ordained that whatever we need in our spiritual life, the Holy Spirit stands ready to give it to us. And the Holy Spirit is trying to flow into us in the same way that the sap flows into the plants. The only difference is we have a choice. The plant doesn't choose whether to accept the sap or not, but we get to choose. And if, but it's better than that, if you don't refuse it, it will flow. So you have to choose to stop it in order to keep it from flowing. And so he, he's doing everything to, to the best that he can do to try to help us. And all we have to do is cooperate with what he's trying to do. It goes on to say a little more. The author of this spiritual life is unseen, and the exact method by which that life is imparted and sustained is beyond the power of human philosophy to explain. So there's no pastor, including myself, that can explain exactly how it works. Um, but... If we are in proper connection with him, it will work. Now, some of the things we can understand, but we can't understand at all. And sometimes we try to explain more than we really understand and make confusion. But it will work because God knows how to make it work. Yet the operations of the Spirit are always in harmony with what? The written word. So the Holy Spirit will not help us to do wrong. It won't help us to resist light. It won't help us in the wrong direction. It will only help us in the right direction. And so the moment we are willing at least to say, please make me willing to do this, the moment that happens, the Holy Spirit flows through us to enable us to do it. 
But as long as we say, oh, I wish I didn't have to do that, uh, that doesn't make sense to do that, the Holy Spirit can't help us at all in that direction. It says, yet the operations of the Spirit are always in harmony with the written word. As in the natural, so in the spiritual world. The natural life is preserved moment by moment by divine power. Yet, it is not sustained by a direct miracle. But through the use of blessings placed within our reach. Now, most people when they first come to Wildwood believe that Wildwood is a blessing. They don't all stay that way after they come. But they usually believe, wow, this is a blessing. You know, so many people that love God and, and so much truth available and so on. And I've even had people who drove on the campus tell me, you know, as soon as I drove on the campus, I felt God's presence in this place. And that blessing is felt, but we have to make use of it in order for it to do everything it's supposed to do. Through the use of blessings placed within our reach. So, the spiritual life is sustained by the use of those means that providence has supplied. If the follower of Christ would grow up unto a perfect man, unto the measure of the stature of the fullness of Christ, which comes from Ephesians 4.13, he must eat of the bread of life and drink of the water of salvation. He must watch and pray and work in all things, giving heed to the instructions of God in his word. Now, we could spend quite a bit more on that, but that's the recipe. Read it over, put it into practice, Acts of the Apostles, 284, paragraphs 1 and 2, one of the best descriptions. Now, what are some of the hindrances to this uh, spiritual life that God wants us to have. Well, number one, <coughs> a failure to understand <coughs> what the word said. We read it, but it went over our head. We didn't grasp it. Usually, if we will give study to it, we can find out what it means. But often... That is not done, and so we missed it. We read it, we heard it, but we didn't get it. So that's going to be a hindrance in the fullness of spiritual growth. Number two, disagreeing with the word. You know, sometimes I've dealt with a lot of people who have questions about all kinds of things. And I don't, know, I don't say this, but I feel like saying sometimes. I'm not so concerned about what you think. I want to know, is that what it says? That's the issue. What does it say? 
And there's so many things in us that want to disagree with what it says. But if that's what it says, you know, read it again. Read it again if you have to. How many ever times? But if that's what it says, then that's what has to be right. Third, thinking that it applied when written, but not now. I didn't have time to put this into the inspired writings, but none of the inspired writings, including Ellen White, were written for the primarily for the age in which they wrote. The Bible is an end-time book. It was written for the last generation, so that the last generation would know what they needed to know. And Ellen White was a prophet just as much as any of the Bible prophets, and she wrote for the last generation, primarily for the last generation. And so we must not listen to those that are saying that what was written, either in the Bible or the writings of Ellen White, is not as valid today as it, as it was back then. Now, it's true that people might not be doing the specific thing that was spoken of there. But, you know, when I was quite young, I heard the statement, if the shoe fits, wear it. And so if you're doing what it says not to do, then that's the advice, to stop doing that. If you're not doing that, why well, you don't need to worry about it. So there are changes, but it still applies. A really bad one, you know, there's a big streak of procrastination in most people. Yes, I should do it, but postponing the changes we read about. Well, later, I'll get to that. I, I don't feel like handling it right now. Number five, getting sidetracked. You know, the devil has so many ways to try to get us sidetracked, and we start out okay, and we're, we're going in the right direction, but he gets us off in another one. And we don't end up getting in practice what we decided we would do. Our time is slipping away, but let's see if we can do this one. This is very important. From uh, CSA 21. It's also in Christ Object Lessons, but I, I didn't put in the, the page. Many who might be fruitful in God's service become bent on acquiring wealth. It's in... Uh, the chapter on the talents. Now, medical missionaries cannot expect to become wealthy, but, you know, I don't know whether all of you will choose to be medical missionaries. If you are a true medical missionary, you'll probably be poor, but uh, sometimes we get interested in other things and do medical missionary work on the side their whole energy is absorbed in business enterprises, and they feel obliged to neglect things of a spiritual nature. Now, that can happen right here. You know, we can get so involved in business activity, and it, it doesn't have to be business just for making a lot of money, but it can be business 
as far as God's work is concerned. And uh, so it says they, they feel obliged to neglect things of a spiritual nature. Why? They just don't have time to do it. Thus they separate themselves from God. Many become so absorbed in business that they have no time for prayer, no time for the study of the Bible, no time to seek and serve God. At times, the longings of the soul go out for holiness and heaven. So at times, they think, wow, you know, really like to be a spiritual person. I for sure want to be able to go to heaven. But there is no time to turn aside from the din of the world to listen to the majestic and authoritative utterances of the Spirit of God. The things of eternity are made subordinate. The things of the word supreme. World, I think that should say. Things of the world supreme. Now, if you... And here, you know, this one steps on my toes. And I like to read it often because I really need it. And any other person that's a workaholic, they need it. Or anyone whose self-esteem is low enough that you take on too many tasks. And you're too busy. Well, it's not possible to have too much to do and expect to have the spiritual life that we would like to have, that we want to have, but we just don't have time because as soon as we sit down to take some time, in comes something that has to have our attention and something else and something else, and we just don't get to it. Paul tells a little bit about his experience in Acts the Apostles 3.14, and this is, this is going to be our experience if we're going to become the spiritual person that God wants us to be. Paul knew that his warfare against evil would not end so long as life should last. So you have to be consigned to a battle. I battle some things all the time, it seems like. Ever he realized the need of putting a strict guard upon himself that earthly desires might not overcome spiritual zeal. So he had the same battle. Anybody that sees a lot of work to do and, and wants to do all of it that they possibly can get done has the struggle that Paul had. Ever he kept before him the ideal to be attained. And this ideal he strove to reach by willing obedience to the law of God. There's that again. Willing obedience. Not because we have to, but because we want to. We've been made to want to by the power of God. His words, his practices, his passions... All were brought under the control of the Spirit of God. And you're, you're familiar with that text of how he was battling, you know, and he wasn't beating the air. He was, he was battling. Well, that's what we have to do. If we want to be spiritual, 
We're going to have to battle. Again, from CSA 26, it says, In order to have spiritual life and energy, we must have actual intercourse with our Heavenly Father. See, it has to be a personal connection so the sap can flow. Our minds may be drawn out toward him. We may meditate upon his works, his mercies, his blessings. But this is not, in the fullest sense, communing with him. In order to commune with God, we must have something to say to him concerning our actual life. So it's like a close friend, and we talk to him about the things that we are concerned about, the things that we enjoy, whatever we talk to him about, what's going on in our life. And then, here's God's part, Christ Object Lessons 317. Christ is revealed to us in sermons and chanted to us in songs. The spiritual banquet is set before us in rich abundance. The wedding garment provided at infinite cost is freely offered to every soul. By the messengers of God are presented to us the righteousness of Christ. Justification by faith. The exceeding great and precious promises of God's word. Free access to the Father by Christ. And the comfort of the Spirit. The well-grounded assurance of eternal life. In the kingdom of God, what could God do for us that he has not done in providing the great supper, the heavenly banquet? Amazing. God saw everything that we would need. And he provided everything that we could become the most spiritual people on earth. In closing, how? Do we be, be how to be a spiritual person? It's very simple, really. Number one, you have to make prayer a priority. It's not something we do after everything else is done, but it has to be a priority. Second, we have to take time to study God's word. Because he has included all the things that will inspire us and will lead us in the, in the path to be more and more spiritual. He's, he's given all of that. And yet, if we don't read it and study it, then of course, we will be lacking. And number three, to follow everything you learn about God's will. Now, one of the biggest problems with Seventh-day Adventists is the amount that we know is way bigger than what we're doing. And you know what happens with that? It creates Pharisees. That's, that's what it does in the end, creates Pharisees. So we don't want to end up like the Pharisees. So we need to follow everything you learn about God's will. Now, it's okay if you study it for yourself so that you know it for yourself, but <clears throat> we need to follow 
everything we learn. Number four, we need to share the light God has given you. As soon as we learn something, he wants us to share it with somebody that doesn't know it. That's how the cycle of spiritual growth takes place. So, it's not very hard. Isn't it amazing that so many struggle with being the spiritual person that they want to be or that maybe they even came to Wildwood because they expected if they came here, they would become a very spiritual person and yet it doesn't happen. Why? Well, we've studied a lot of the reasons why it doesn't happen. But tonight, as you've listened to this, maybe the Holy Spirit can use this to get you started <coughs> again. 